The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast, and my guest tonight is Malia Hosaka. How's it going? Hey, anytime. It's my pleasure. Um, so what have you been up to lately over in the West Coast? Uh, absolutely nothing. Everybody's in lockdown. How hard so is that? Um, it's, you know, for me, I still, my job considered, my real job is still considered essential. So I still work. Um, but when I'm home, it's, it's kind of hard because I realize that I like to eat out a lot. <laughs> and I can't do that now. So you're a big foodie. I, I yes, I was hence my fat ass that I have. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, over here, um, I live outside of Cincinnati, and everything is slowly opening up over here. We're not like you know congested how you guys are in uh, the West Coast. Yeah, um, I haven't been down to California here lately. I'm up in Washington State right now. And, like, there's a couple counties that have a couple things open, but, yeah, for the most part, it is complete, you know, still stay-at-home, only essential travel type things. And I know you're having uh, wrestling withdrawals to in the ring, too. I am, actually, you know. Um, I haven't been – it's weird. Like, you know, I got used to not being in the ring for a while, and then I kind of got a little busy between WOW and the Indies and everything picking back up, and – it's been a while since I've been back in the ring, and yeah, I'm kind of my back is like, what's going on here? Yeah, I feel you on that too. Um, I'm part of a uh, wrestling promotion here in Cincinnati, uh, Future Great okay. Wrestling, you know, which is you know run by Brian Levick and uh, Cody Hawk. All right, let's talk about Cody Hawk. He's well known in the business and trained a lot of big names. Uh, you got to work yes. with him in the ring. What was that like to work with Cody Hawk? Oh my God, it was amazing. Like, okay, so I do not do intergender matches. I don't believe in promoting uh, violence against women, and I think that's all intergender matches do. Um, there's enough women in the business that there's no need for me to step into the ring with uh, with a man. But um, on this particular show, it was what they called a luck of the draw, where they just chose two names out of a hat. And, of course, my name had to be in there because I was on the show. So I, I was in the ring with Cody, and it was such a cakewalk. I, it, when you get used to working green girls and having to lead and cover and think for two, sometimes three, depending on the referee, it's just amazing to go out there with somebody that it's lock up and let's go. And you just go because, you know, both of you have the skill, both of you have the knowledge, and you can just go back and forth and it just flows. And I, it was such an honor to share the ring with him. Yeah, Cody's more of the old school style approach, which I like. Very much so, yeah. He believes in, you know, working the hold, sewing the hold, making it make sense, having psychology, not planning A to Z and choreographing the entire match. Um, I'm old. My brain can't work that way anymore. I I wasn't trained that way. I wasn't seasoned out that way by my veterans. So to get in there with some of these girls that have to have everything planned out, it's a little it's a little challenging for me. I bet it is. Um, when I first met you, um, I met you over in uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana, IWA Mid-South, which is uh, Ian Rotten's promotion. And they were doing a ladies show with uh, Amazing Maria. What brought you out to yeah. IWA Mid-South? Ian Rotten. Um I've known Ian since he was in ECW is the beginning of my career. It's not like we were great friends or we hung out or anything. Um, but yeah, I had known him for years and uh, he started the women's thing out there, the Battle Brought, and he sent me a message and asked me if it'd be something I'd be interested in doing. And it, because it was Ian Rotten and everything I'd heard about the IWA in the past and how hard for it was, I was a little bit leery um going out there and then when i got out there and found out there was like basically no count outs no disqualifications no you know i was like what have i got myself into <laughs> but it, actually he's got a great group of girls there um and it was an amazing time and i had fun and i will work for Ian any day of the week that he wants me there 
Yeah, that's a fun show. Um, I love going over there because um, I'm good friends with a Mason Maria, and she's uh, well known in the business too. And she's a great yeah, wrestler. She is. she is. So I've never had the pleasure of sharing a ring with her, but I, I love her, and I think she's an amazing person. And um, I did just work her daughter, and I think her daughter is very talented. I hope to watch her career grow as she gets more experience. Yeah, so. she's doing pretty good. She's the IWA Mid South uh, Women's Champion. She is. Yes. So. Yeah. Now, let's. I don't rectify that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I know what you're saying. I know what you mean. Um, you were a former NWA World's Women's Champion for a very short time. Uh, the shortest time, I think, in history. One day. Um, I was wrestling with Debbie Combs, and I, she lost the belt to me one night and took it back from me the very next night. So, yeah, I am an NWA Women's Champion. Um, possibly the one that's held the title the absolute shortest amount of time. But, you know, I, I will never complain about any of my matches or anything with Debbie because Debbie was one that really took me under her wing after LPWA closed, and she taught me the ropes and helped me learn the art of what it is to be a wrestler. So uh, since NWA is back now, has NWA ever reached out to you? They have not. And I don't know if it's just because I'm not what they're looking for, um, whether it be age-wise or work-wise, or they just don't know. The number of people that actually don't know who I am um, used to shock me. It doesn't really shock me anymore um, because I haven't been on TV in so long. But I, I do get like a lot of, you know, when I go into locker rooms, they have no idea who I am. And, you know, it's it, it, some ways it's humbling and some ways I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, if they contacted me, I'd love to work with the NWA. I think they have some very talented girls there. Uh, but you know they, they are they are working with the next generation, so I just don't know how I would fit in. The thing that I really I loved about your career is when you end up showing up at Wow, and I remember that, and you came out um, with the faction Exile with Exodus and yeah. Genesis. What was Correct. that like for you to be in the ring at Wow with Exile? Um. Well. Uh, Exile is actually two of the first trainees that I've taken on since uh, Molly Holly stabbed me in the back years ago, and we had our falling out. Um, I really, after that, I kind of walked away from all the girls, and I would wrestle them, but I, I wouldn't go out of my way to help them, and I wouldn't give them advice. I just, I came, I did my job, and I left, because she just, I really thought she and I were very good friends, and it, the way it ended, it was just very poor. Um, so here, flash forward, 20 years later um, I meet these two girls and they're hungry one of them is a huge Joshi wrestler fan and I'm having to bring her back from that because I'm like no we're doing American style we're going to bring it back to old school you're going to you're going to settle it down and you know and teaching them that but going out and and just issuing a challenge to the entire well locker room was one of the best things I've had done in my career because it I would say 90% of everything I said that night was a shoot. <laughs> so what's it like to work with McLean? Um, you know, I enjoy working for, for David, working with David, but he has his own views. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not the type that I don't smooth and I don't play politics. So I'm constantly, honestly, on eggshells about my mouth's going to get me in trouble because I'm going to say something and somebody's going to be offended. And it's not like I, I mean anything by it, but when I'm sitting in the back and I'm watching matches and I'm like, oh, that was like shit, um, that's just me because I critique. I don't watch wrestling to be a fan of it. I never was. I, and so that the fact that I watch it now and when I am on shows and I watch it, I'm critiquing what's going on. I'm looking to see what was done really well. I'm looking to see what was done poorly, uh, what type of psychology needs to be worked on, that type of stuff. And so I just, I'm just really worried somebody's going to get offended. So I kind of keep to myself and I try just to stay below the radar as much as possible and just work with my girls. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing you where you and your girls go yeah. at. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm very yeah. interested. So it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm huge. I like, I'm, 
I am so over the moon of working with WOW and being a part of that company because I think that David's been trying to push the girls for a long time. He started with GLOW and GLOW really didn't go in the direction he wanted it to go in. Um, and then there was POW and then, you know, he came out with WOW. But, you know, Bambi's a part of it and she was my original tag team partner 30-something years ago. Um, and she's a really good friend and she's the main reason why I am in there. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be a part of WOW. I know that. Um, but I am really excited to be there and see exactly what they want to do with myself in exile. That's going to be fun. And like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing that for the next season. Um, ever since Access TV got it, I, I was yeah. I was hooked. I mean, I'm, I've been a big women pro women's wrestling fan for a long time, and I'm glad it's uh, being more serious instead of that crazy bra and panty matches back in the day. Right. Right, and I mean, but here, again, like, what I like about WOW is, like, don't get me wrong, the girls at WWE, the ones that I've seen, the ones that I know, they have talent. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, but if you look at them, they all still fit that Barbie mold. They're all still, you know, the, of the same same look, same, you know, it, 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 the same model or tits and ass model, for the most part. And, you know, I'm not taking away from their work by any way, any means. But that is the mold that they're a part of. Whereas WOW has girls of all ages. They have girls of all sizes. Um, it's not, it is more character driven because it is more about your gimmick and your character and being able to come across and, and doing all that. But, you know, hell, that's wrestling. I mean, the missing link, Bugsy McGraw, I mean, they were characters. They worked their gimmicks. Um, but they also have talent, you know, and and that's what these girls are. They're they're green girls. They're they're learning, and they're asking these girls to look like they have ten years of experience when they might have ten months to two years of experience. But they've all got great attitudes, and that's one thing I really enjoy. There is that there really isn't a lot of petty jealousy. It it's a family, and that's what Bambi wanted for the girls. And it's, it's been very nice being a part of that. Hey, that's fun. Now, uh, tell me um, how you met Bambi and how you guys started tagging together and uh, your guys' well, chemistry in the ring. Well, when I first met Bambi, it was on an all-girls show down in Florida, I believe. Um, and she came in and she had the long, sequin, flowing Ric Flair cape with the feathers. And she had a title belt. She had set off to the side. And, I mean, I was making the in for a year, two years at that point. I really didn't know anybody or anything. And I certainly hadn't met a lot of the girls. And so here she's sitting off to the side and I'm thinking, oh my God, she's somebody huge on this show. And she's, you know, and then I was like, well, she's kind of a little bit of a snob because everybody kept going to her and she didn't really talk to anybody. And then flash forward a few uh, months later, we wind up at LPWA together and they just, she had the fire and the charisma, but I was able to get the sympathy. And so they just kind of teamed us together there, and we just became Bambi and Hosaka. And, you know, that's just how we got to be a team. It's just something LPWA did, and it worked. Yeah, you guys and, tore and it up. You know, she's she was my savior. I go in and I get beat up because I was so tiny, and I tagged Bambi in, and she'd come kick everybody's ass for me. And, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, but we we still joke around, and you know, when we get frustrated or whatever, I'm like, I'm tagging you. This is your deal. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, have you ever thought about uh, getting back with Bambi and uh, doing like a, a tag match for one more time? I would love to do a tag match one more time. The problem is, Bambi can't stop smiling. And I just don't know how to be a baby face anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're a great hill, man. I, 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 just, I just love it. And I love how you rile up the audience. You just have that yeah. perfect hill about you. Yeah. Well, I, I learned from the best. I mean, I, I had the best role models in wrestling to learn from. And there's nobody out there like that anymore. That, that generation's gone and retired, sadly. And... And that art is lost, but I was privileged to be in the ring with some of those girls like Luna and Leilani and Judy and Debbie, and I was able to learn from them. So I, I've patterned myself after them, you know, because why would you not? 
Hey. So that's like when, when I was a baby face, I patterned myself after Bambi because she was the top baby face of our era. I totally believe and that was absolutely the truth. And speaking of some of the great, uh, you know, women you were in the ring with, let's talk about when you got in the ring with uh, Wendy Richter and also Sherry Martell. Um, well, Wendy, when I worked with her, I was so green in my career. And the first time I worked with her, the promoter came to me and goes, she hates working green girls, so don't tell her you're green. Tell her you've been wrestling for a really long time if she asks. And... Looking back, and after I got more experience, I realized how stupid that was. It was like the worst advice ever to give somebody. Um, because I can watch that match, and I see places where she's she's clearly telling me to do stuff subtly with body language, and it's just going over my head because I didn't I didn't know how to pick up on it. I did, you know, being so green. And so even, I could have told her I'd been in the business 10 years, and if she'd have believed that, she'd have been like, well, this is the worst fucking 10-year veteran I've ever been in the ring with because she's horrible, right? Um, so I was very green in my career. Uh, when I worked with Sherry, it was later on. Um, I had some more experience and, you know, been out and about. So working with Sherry was so much fun because I was able to go out there and be the wrestler that Debbie honed me into being. Be the baby face that Debbie taught me to be and just follow Sherry and have fun. But, I mean, we, we would laugh. She'd like, we're going out of the ring, and she'd throw me out of the ring, and we'd fight all the way around the ring. And, and the whole time she's laughing and talking and making comments about people, and I, it's all I could do not to laugh. But, you know, it, I miss her so much. <laughs> I know she she was a great talent in the ring, and especially since um, you've been a heel. What was the most interesting crowd interaction you um, got a fan riled up that really got into your story? Um, so far as a heel, um, in today's crowds, I really haven't had that. Uh, and I don't know if it's just because I'm not in the situations like that or because the fans are more entertained by the heel these days I really don't know um, as a baby face I think one of the things I had was when I worked for Harley Race one of the few times at, or first times at WLW uh, he called me his champion and I took the belt and when I rolled out of the ring after beating Brandy Alexander the fans swarmed me and you know to congratulate me and they, I couldn't get away from them so security had to come pull me out from the middle of them and then they circled the ring and were beating on the ring and they refused to let Brandy out of the ring. Um, and so I think that was probably one of the most epic moments like of getting a fan involved and getting fans behind us uh, that I've had. It was, you know, it's when you when you get that type of a reaction at the finish of a match, it's like, wow, you know. I know, and so, uh, rest in peace to I Harley Race. that one day. Yeah. yeah, rest in peace to Harley Race. Oh, that man was another one that, you know, I was so honored to carry his belt and be his champion for as long as I was. You know, it was an amazing time. It was uh, some of the greatest greatest days of my career. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet you learned a lot from Harley, too. I did. But one of the things that I think I pride myself on is um, because I worked with the girls that I worked with, I knew how to go in the ring. And Harley would always come to us and be like, girls, the boys went short. You know, that I need another, can you give me 25? And we're like, for real? Like, I mean, but think about it. Show me girls today that can go out and do a 25-minute, 30-minute match and keep the crowd. They can't. Show me, show me boys that can do it, you know? Um, you just, you don't have that type of wrestling today because people don't understand how to tell the story. They don't understand that the heel isn't supposed to get holy shit chance. And, you know, you're not, I'm not out there to get a this is wrestling chant. I'm out there to piss you off, and I want my baby face to get sympathy. I want you to feel so bad for her that you want to get in the ring and jump me, that you want to get in the ring and, and, and save her. That's my goal. Every time I go to the ring, that is my goal. <laughs> hey, that's the best way to do it. And I, I miss those days because in today's wrestling, there's a, a lack of storytelling, uh, not much yeah. in-ring psychology. No, there's and there's not – and there's – there's not a lot of, like, they put these matches together and they go out there, and while there's not even a lot of psychology, it boils down to the fact that 
if they miss something, they have to go back a step to pick it up and get back on track. They don't know how to just go forward. I, I totally agree with you, yeah. That, if um, the fans are sitting there chanting for you to do a figure four, tease it in there. Whether you're going to give it to them or not, you should be teasing it. You know, it would be like, Flair never putting a figure four on. You know, you expected it from him, but he didn't do it in every match. So, you know, there are certain things that you need to be able to get reactions out of and be able to hear the fans. And you need to be able to hear the fans when you're beating up the base face. Do the fans need them to fire up? Is it time for them to make a little bit of a comeback, you know, because the fans are, are, are starting to, they're at their low. Now you got to give them a little bit of a high and bring them back up. But, you know, when, when you're concentrating on what's coming next, what move is next, what move is next, what move is next, and then everybody works. I was never taught to work a camera. I was taught there are cameras around the ring. They will get what they need to get. And that's what the cameraman's job is, is to get the footage that they need to get. Now everybody's like, there's the hard cam. Make sure everything is set up is to the hard cam. Make sure everything you do is to the hard cam. And so now you're not only worried about A, B, C, D, E, F, you're worried about E, G, and J have to all be facing the hard cam. So, hey, that's you know, absolutely right. the truth. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, it's, and when you're worried about all that, the fans are the least, last thing on your mind. You don't hear them. You don't notice them. Um, I think Jim Cornette said it once, and it was one of the best things. The fans are props. Just don't even worry about them. And if he, of course, is being sarcastic, because they're not props. They're the reason why you have a job. But, you know, but that's how everybody views them now. They're just, they're props. That's totally true, because they don't get invested in it like they did, like I did back in the day. I was a fan of, when I was a kid in the 80s and early 90s, that's when um, I was invested in it, so. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and... I mean, that's, mine was, you know, the mid-80s to the late-80s is when I started following it because my dad was a fan of it, and um, that's when he, you know, well, I saw the match that between Bugsy and Missing Link, and I, I thought it was so ridiculous that anybody could do it, and my dad dared me to give it a try. So, um, you know, it's, that's, again, the era I came on, and it was before cable, it was before, you know, all of you know, you could see Dusty on as a heel one night and then the next night seeing him as a babyface in another territory because of cable. Um, but, yeah, I just... <laughs> Speaking of yeah. Bugsy McGraw, he's an interesting character. I had him on my podcast. He's a great interview. Yes, he is. I've met him uh, several times now in Florida at Brian Blair's... Uh, Legends luncheons that he does. Um, I think it's every three months down there when I'm able to go. I do go to those. Um, but in Bugsy's always there. He is a character, uh, you know. But it, again, it, to to meet him in person, I, you're the reason I got started in wrestling, dude. <laughs> what did he say when you told him that? <laughs> he just laughed. You know, um, I don't really think he thought I was serious because, again, I don't really think he knows who I am. <laughs> you know, but. Why would he? He's Bugsy McGraw. (laughs) Yeah, he's great. He told me some great stories of him and the Sheik. Yeah, I can. Oh God, I can only imagine that. Yeah, yeah. I was like at awe. I was like, I was like, you can talk about the Sheik all night. I don't care. (laughs) Right. This is so fun. I. I, (laughs) That is so great. Um. How'd you become uh, part of uh, WCW? You were really great over in WCW. Well, thank you. Um, uh, that was Terry Taylor. That was all Debbie Combs and Terry Taylor. Um, so I was actually on a show, an independent show in um, Georgia, and Terry was on the card. And he watched me work Candy Divine and said, hey, you know I'm with WCW? And I was like, yeah, I know, you know, and... He says, uh, would, do you think you might want to come work for us? I'm like, let me think about that for a second. I'm like, well, yeah. He's like, well, you know you'd have to work Medusa. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's kind of a given. That's who you got there. And, you know, so he called me up and had me come in to work some Medusa shows. But prior to getting on there working with Medusa, uh, Debbie went down there with me to give me some uh, moral support. And they put us on uh, a Saturday. This actually never aired 
I wish I had a copy of it. Then stud somewhere in the archives. But it's a uh, match between me and Debbie on one of their Saturday just studio taping things that they did. And I think from there, they just saw that, hey, you know, this girl can actually work. And, and they just kept me in there with Medusa. So, you know, I was willing to do it. And I just come in and do my job. You but, had yeah, some great men. Ma- oh, thanks. Um, I think, you know, Medusa was, she was an interesting character, to say the least. Um, I'm not going to say that we were friends. I'm not going to say that we were enemies. Um, I felt like she had more power than she claims today that she had there. But I just feel like, you know, I was the the one that would come in and put her over without complaint. So that's that was my job, and that's what I did. So, did you ever have a memorable moment that you still remember to this day when you were in WCW? The only memorable moment I had is when I was supposed to wrestle Truth and Gaia, and um, she was zero. And she wanted to bump for me. And Sonny Ono said, no, you don't get to bump. And so, Chagusa went out there, and I think the whole match literally was three seconds. It is probably one of the very few times in my career where I was, I can say that I was actually 100% squashed. And from that moment on, it actually, I shouldn't say, forced me to stand up, but it made me stand up to them because the next time they called me to do a show, I simply said, look, I have an independent career. I've got no problem doing what you guys want me to do, but you won't do that to me again. You're not going to kill what I, I do on the indies and what I've built on the indies because you're not offering me a contract. You're not offering me anything. And so I'm, there's a right way to get to lose and there's a wrong way to lose and what you guys did to me with her was wrong and I won't do it again um, I worked for them a few more times and Terry jumped ship and went to WWF and shortly after that he was able to get me a developmental deal there um, which never went anywhere but yeah um, tell me a little bit about Sonny Ono what was that like to be right there with Sonny Ono you know Sonny we have very different memories of WCW Sonny, I've talked to Sonny lately and Sonny it's like, oh, no, you were, like, part of the heart and backbone of the women's group and women's division there. And I'm like, I don't remember it that way. <laughs> um, I don't remember being important in any way at WCW, okay? Um, I remember, you know, being the girl that, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, well, you've got to lose to her. Well, if she beats her and then she beats her, then she beats, you beat her. Then it was kind of like a, a round robin thing, like, well... I beat Medusa, and then Hokuto beat me, and then Chagusa beats Hokuto, and then Medusa gets to beat Chagusa. So it was like kind of trying to keep every. I felt like keep everybody's ego in check. Like every, every nobody wanted to go. Well, I don't want to lose to her. Who is she? Type thing. Um, but I never had problems with Sonny. You know, like I said, the only time, the only thing negative he ever did was when he would not let Chagusa work with me in the ring, and and do more than what we did. I see what you're saying. Um, also, you um, did a brief moment over in TNA, too. Um, I did one match in TNA, and that was to prove a point, because there was a girl there who said I couldn't be there, I'd never make it there, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, I knew that she was working for free. So I went there, and I did uh, a match for them for free, just to prove that if I really wanted to be there, I could. That's an interesting story itself, how you went over to just approve yourself, and I bet that they were surprised yeah. that you were able to back it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, she didn't, the girl didn't like me. We, we had it out in a locker room, not at TNA, but elsewhere on the Indies down the road. Um, but, yeah, I just it's, she's another one of the girls. She seems to think that I was trying to hurt her in a ring, and I wasn't. But if I put you in a Boston crab and you wiggle around and I start to lose my balance, you're going to get hurt. If you don't know how to sell it, don't take the move. If you don't know how to sell it, don't sell it. Yeah, you got to be careful when you're in a ring nowadays, too, because there's a lot of people who are not properly trained. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, my girls exile, I teach them, and when I teach them to do things, I'm like, you're going to hold them this way because if they fall, you are protecting them. If by some chance you you find out that you're too blowed up to, manu- to, to do this move because she's heavier than what you thought, you are protecting her. Um, it is not about going out there and just abusing your opponent's body because you can't. You respect her because she's trusting you. She's giving you her body to do with what you want and to take your moves, and I want you to protect her while you're doing it. 
And in the same token, I turn around and teach them how to protect themselves. You know, if somebody applies an arm bar to you like this, slide it to here because this is not good. This is good. If somebody's being an asshole, put it on them like this because this is how you settle an asshole down. Um, you know, it, I was fortunate in having that type of background and type of training, so I teach it to them. But, yeah, it's, it is about us working together. It's about me protecting you and you protecting me. So if you don't know how to do it, don't do it. I totally agree. And just admit Just admit it. I don't know how many times I've had to tell, and I tell the girls now, like, they go, I'm like, don't tell me the name of the move. Don't tell me the wrestler that did it unless he was pre-1987, because I'm not going to have a clue who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, explain the move to me, and tell me what type of a bump it is. And if I think we can do it, we will do it. But if I say no, it's because I don't think you have the power to do it, and I'm not going to do it. And I'm not, I'm not going to let somebody just jump off the top rope and land on me, because they can't. Um, you know, and, but for the most part, a lot of the girls that I have been working with here lately, they're amazing. They are well-trained. Um, there's little things because they're trained by guys that they don't know. And there's little safety things that they don't know because they're trained by guys who were never taught that because they were trained by people who were never taught that. Um, and it's just something that's been lost, but yeah. So when you trained, um, um, training ex exile, I'm not exile, excuse me, Exodus and Genesis, uh, did you train them like a lot of about in ring psychiatry and a little bit of old school? I, I'm teaching them old school, how to take a hold, how to work a hold, how to work together on working a hold. Mm -hmm. Um, how, you know, like if one of them's working the arm, the other one don't, doesn't jump in there and grab the back or grab the leg. You work together, you work as a team. Um, I am teaching that, them that type of psychology, but I have not gotten to actual in-ring match psychology because that's something that you just gain with experience and yeah. exposure. And so the more that they do their matches and the more I see them do matches, and the more I can, can say, okay, if you did this here, it would have made more sense when they did this there. You know, um, I am working with them on how to keep their body language strong in the ring and not look like a deer in headlights, even when there are deer in headlights. Um, you know, because I'm like, nobody needs to know that you're lost. Just keep it. Just keep keep Exodus going. Keep Genesis going in your head. And while you're in your head with that, take a deep breath and think. Grab a hold. Put a hold on and think. I said, you don't have to rush, you know. Um but it's, again, that's just experience and seasoning, and you can't get that if you don't get out there and wrestle. And you have to wrestle different people, and you have to wrestle people that are better than you. You have to wrestle people that are, are worse than you, because that's how you grow. Hey, that's a great uh, psychology by going by that. I mean, if I was training to be a wrestler, um, I would love yeah. to. I would love to learn from you or Cody. Um, I got to get. I got a chance to get in the ring and did a couple training sessions with Cody. I didn't go in there to like be a pro wrestler or right. pro, or uh, prove a point to the guys in the FGW locker room. I wanted to go in there and do it for myself. And right. when I, when I took that first bump, um, hit the ropes. I totally respect what wrestlers go through day in and day out. And yeah, every, everybody seems to think it's this nice, soft, cushiony mat we're landing on. They don't understand how if you hit the ropes wrong and when you're hitting them for the first time, it freaking hurts. It hurts your hips. It hurts mm-hmm. your arms. Mm-hmm. And until so you get this, the steps right so that you're going into them at the same spot at the same time mm-hmm. every time, you've got rope burns on your hips and on your armpits and on your elbows and on your shoulders and... And, and the mat's not soft. Like, it, it's softer than if you were to just fall on concrete. But it's by no means like falling, you know, on an air mattress or, you know, a, a trampoline. Yeah, and, and I learned it and Cody kicked my ass. And this is the one thing Cody said to me. He's like, Robin, you didn't have to do this. Um, I, I respect you. But I, I, I want to also say you had balls to do what you did. Yeah, and and that's amazing coming from Cody. That's huge props because it, he doesn't he doesn't take his words lightly, and he doesn't take training lightly. You know. Oh, he's yeah. all serious in the ring, and. Yeah. Um, I've seen him train, like I said, he's trained a lot of great names. He trained John Moxley, yes. Eli Drake, mm-hmm. Braxton Sutter, Sammy Callahan, right. Shauna Reed. Right. I mean, I can go on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I mean, he's got some great, he's, 
he's trained some great people. He's had some wonderful talent come out of this school. I mean, I think that if there was a really good, reputable school out there, his is definitely one of them. Um, you know, but that's, again, if, if all you, as good as Cody is, as great as his training is, if you only ever wrestle Cody Hawk's guys and you never go outside of that realm, you'll never get any better. Because even Cody can only take you to a certain point. After that, you have to go work with people that challenge you, mm-hmm. that make you instinct. You can't teach instinct. No, you I can't. can't teach you when to do something if all you ever do is choreograph it. You know, um, and it's, actors the same way. You know, like actors, you can't teach somebody to act like a potato. They have to be able to act to get to be a potato. Um, you know, and that's the thing. It's like wrestling. You have to go out and challenge yourself and learn and gain the instinct and the knowledge to be a wrestler or to be a, I shouldn't even say wrestler, to be a worker. And because anybody can be a wrestler, not everybody can be a worker. And it's the workers that are the great ones because the workers are the ones that suspend reality, that take you in and suck you into this story and let you leave all of your troubles aside. Whatever stress you have going on, you're able just to let that go and enjoy the moment. That is what a worker's job is. I totally and, agree with you. You know. Um, it us- doesn't matter how how realistic or unrealistic anything is. Because if you're in the movies, that's just not realistic either. But you get sucked into it. And when you get sucked into the story, your problems go away for a few hours. And that's what wrestling is supposed to do. Yeah, I like that when you get a good storyline like that. Um, you also wrestled all over the world and what was some of your like memorable experiences in different cultures you got to really enjoy? Oh, enjoy? Um, I love Japan, except for the fact that when I went over there, I was with Andy, and um, she would she found out that because I'm half Japanese, anytime she asked what something was, they would make uh, my Japanese name is Kyoko. They would make me try it, so they'd be like, "Kyoko-san, you try," <laughs> and. I'm like, would you stop asking what things on the table are? <laughs> but it was, but it was also an amazing thing because at that time, wrestling really wasn't out of complete dark ages. Then, women's wrestling in Japan was still huge, and the the newspapers and the magazines over there worked with the companies to keep the angles promoted, not to expose things, but to promote it. So, like when they wanted to turn me babyface over there, they clued in all of the magazines on what was going to go on when I come to the back and Leilani beats me up and she throws me out of the locker room and she threw all my gear out after me and you know and I have to go to the baby face side and all of this stuff but they they built it they helped add to that story and I think that was so huge over there and such an amazing thing to be a part of because you know you don't have that now like now you have oh I'm going to wrestle her tonight click and we've got a selfie on Facebook um, or Instagram, and you know, and I don't believe in that. I don't believe in taking pictures of my opponents before the match or after the match. <laughs> so it's it's just not. I, I'm I'm still kayfabe. I'm still. We're not supposed to like each other, and especially because I'm an uber bitch. Like in the ring, I am a huge uber bitch. So why would you want to take a picture with me and put it on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Unless you're smashing me in the face or something. Why would you want that? I would hate to get you on on, on your bad side if I was around. I'd be scared. <laughs> well, all right, so that's the funny part is because for years I had a reputation for hurting the green girls. And I hope, hell, who knows? I may still have it. Uh-huh. But after the whole Molly Holly situation and everything, um, I got a reputation for... I supposedly carried a razor blade under my tongue. I carried a knife in my boot. I would hurt any green girl out there who had a chance because I was so jealous of them. Um, Don't cross me. I mean, it just, the the stories go on and on. And I have literally, I can think of maybe, maybe two times that I've actually lost my temper in a ring and may have stiffed the girl on purpose out of 32 years. Two times. That's a lot more than any of the boys can say because the boys will skip the fuck out of you if they think they need to. But I just didn't do it. And, yeah, so I I go in and um, Lexi Five says I don't have resting bitch face. I have resting bitch. And it's not that I'm not 
sociable or that I'm not approachable, um, I'm just quiet. I'm, again, from the school of you go in the locker room, you don't know who's who, and you don't know the bearings, and it's new. You sit there and keep your mouth shut because you don't know who's related to who, and you don't know who's got pull and who doesn't have pull. So rather than say anything, you say nothing. And that's what I do. And I just go in and I talk to the girls that I know or the guys that I know. And the rest of the time, I just keep my mouth shut. And I sit in my corner. And sometimes I sit in my corner, yes, judging in my head whatever the guys are talking about or the girls are talking about for the match. Um, And other times, I'm just off in my own little world. But, yeah, I guess I'm very intimidating just sitting in the locker room. Um, when I first, like on earlier on, on, on our conversation on this, on the podcast, um, when I first met you, I was a little intimidated by you myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, Maria looked at, at me and said, be a man, go over there and just say hi. So when you're not inside the ring, what do you enjoy outside of the ring? What makes you happy? Um, sitting on my couch doing absolutely nothing but eating ice cream and potato chips. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> no, no, I, um, I, do a lot, I do a lot of camping. I have a Harley that I built with my dad, so I do motorcycle riding. Um, I'm really good at picking my dirt bike up. I'm not so good at keeping it up on the trail, but I'm really good at picking it up every time we fall. Um, but I do some dirt biking. Um, yeah, I just, honestly, I just, I, I'm really not a people person, so I do stay away from a lot of people. I try to stay to myself because when you work, my, my real job requires customer service. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that's draining to go out and deal with idiots every day. And so, like, when I have time off and I'm away from wrestling and I'm away from my real job, I just take that time to be a vegetable at my house or be away from people where I can just mentally recuperate so that, you know, the next week I can go back out there with a smile on my face and say, how may I help you? (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. Um, What got your interest in uh, uh, riding Harleys and dirt bike riding? And have you ever thought about, did you ever think about getting into dirt bike racing? Um, I don't have the strength to do dirt bike racing. And I've had two knee surgeries already and probably a 190-year-old knee um, and uh, bones in my knee, so I dirt bike racing is not really something I think I could do because even now when I ride, I'm kind of scared when I go down. I'm just like, oh, this is going to be the one that just takes my leg out. Um, I got into that because one of my boyfriends was into it, so uh, he got me a dirt bike and started learning to ride it. And we go out in the woods and we would do trail rides all the time. Uh, my Harley it came from my dad because my dad used to race motorcycles when I was a baby and he got out of it and years later he wound up buying a Harley and then in my early 20s that was our vacations we would go off on motorcycles and camping trips together and then he got a new girl a new girl so I couldn't ride on the back of his anymore I had to get my own bike and if I wanted to go (laughs) that's awesome yeah yeah so it's just something I enjoy doing is getting on my motorcycle and you know going wherever the road leads and and camping and just getting away it's, it's awesome. And uh, what did your dad think about you uh, getting into pro wrestling? Because I know at first she didn't like it. And uh, oh, he was my biggest fan and my biggest critic. So you know, he he was my biggest supporter. He helped me go uh, the first few years when I really because I, I I wasn't super worldly. He would drive with me to a lot of the shows, um, all the local shows and things like that. He always go with me um, to make sure I got there and got home on time and. And, you know, nothing happened and everything. But as my career got bigger and I started traveling more, he wasn't able to go. And he would watch my matches and he would always be like, you know, your best matches were with Melody Paradise. I'm like, really, Dad? Because that was like 13 years ago. I haven't gotten any better. Um, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, he would he would constantly critique things that I did and, and tell me where I screwed up and what I he thought I did well. But yeah, he was my biggest supporter and my, my, sorry, my biggest critic. Hey, that's pretty good, you know, um, having a, a father like that, very supportive. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of wrestlers, you know, that got in the business that some of their family were supportive and some of them weren't. 
Right. I, I've talked to some, too, where, like, they don't even let their family know because if their mom knew, they'd be mad and stuff. Well, right, well first off, you're an adult, so you can do what you want. Yeah. Unless you're underage, in which case you can't. <laughs> but um, be an adult. Second, um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get parents not supporting their kids and their dreams. I get that, yeah, my family, um, I won't say my dad, but, like, my brother and all of my aunts and uncles and a lot of my cousins, they were all waiting for me to grow up. Like, when are you going to grow up and get a real job? When are you going to grow up and quit, you know, chasing this dream? When are you going to get a career that's actually going to pay you a, a living and and be dependable and, and give you a future to, you know, retire from? And to, to them, I was just always outplaying. They never saw it as a job or as a career. Um, and, in fact, when I, I changed over to being a flight attendant and changed careers, um, my brother said, how old do you think this job will stick? And I said, well, I got news for you. I had a job that stuck for 30 years. Um, now I'm changing jobs. So, yeah, it'll stick, you know. I'm, I realize that I've been doing this since 1987. I cannot keep doing this for another 30 years. Mm-hmm. I'm realistic that way. Um, but, you know, just because I held a 1,001-odd jobs to support the wrestling doesn't mean that I didn't have the job that stuck. I had a, I had a dream and I had a career and I chased it as hard as I could. So, and I don't understand like parents not giving that type of support. You know, if they're not asking you for money and they're able to squeak by and pay their bills and and whatever, support them. You know, it's what's it costing you? Like to say, go get your dream, go be happy. You'd rather see your kid be miserable working a nine-to-five job because they're severe, but they're absolutely miserable every day of their life? Why? Why would you not want your child to be happy? So once this insanity ends, where do you see yourself uh, from now on? Well, I hope to go back to WOW once this insanity ends. Um, I haven't heard anything on what's going on there, though. I kind of feel like I'm in exile again. Um <laughs> <laughs> I did come out of exile to join them. Um, but, uh, you know, I've got IWA and uh, Battle Broad scheduled already in June. As far as I know, it's going off on the 18th and 19th. Um, and, yeah, just, I, I love working. I'm sure I'll go back to work for Steel Domain up in Minneapolis area. Uh, there's a new girls company up there called uh, Kickstart that has contacted me about working for them. But I'll work and wrestle on any show out there. As long as it's fun. I'm not, I don't play politics. I don't want to come in and play politics. I, I don't want to have to kiss anybody's ass. I don't, you know. But, you know, at the same time, don't book me. If you're going to book me to do some crazy three-way barbed wire match, tell me when you're booking me. Don't, you know, let me show up. And then you're mad because you want me in the ring with a guy. And I'm like, I don't wrestle guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's not a secret. I don't wrestle guys, period. There's, find a girl. Um, so yeah, I just, but yeah, I, I be on the Indies as much as possible for anybody that wants to, you know, bring me in. I would love to see you show up at FGW in Cincinnati where Cody works, and I would love to see you get in a ring with either Pretty Little Psycho, Shauna Reed, or Harley Fairfax. Nice. Um, I think I know Harley Fairfax. I've only met her, and I actually have wrestled Shauna Reed when she first started. Um, it's been quite a few years since I've been in the ring with her. But yeah, that'd be awesome. I, I'd have no problems doing either of that. We'd see how it goes. Um, but here's the thing. I'm pretty sure pretty little psycho Shauna Reed sounds like a heel. So what are we going to do? Go out there and see who can out-heel her? Heal me? Because <laughs> I can't babyface. You can book her. Steel Domain tries to book me as babyface. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I can see you and Shauna Reed tearing it up in the ring. I mean, you guys are both good. Shauna, Shauna can back it up pretty well too. Well, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I haven't, I haven't shared a ring with her since you know right after she first started, and uh, you know she's grown and she's come long. That's awesome for her. <laughs> um, I do know, you know, but yeah. So I, I have no problem doing that. That would be fun. You know, like I said, any any place is fun. Any place you got a good locker room. I'm happy to be a part of it. I just don't want, I don't want catty BS. I don't want politics. You know, that, that's all I ask for. 
Oh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So where can everybody find you on social media? Um, my Facebook is Malaya MDM Hosaka. MDM stands for Modern Day Mula. My Instagram is Malaya Hosaka. And my Twitter is Modern Day Mula. So any of those. And they can also follow you on WOW. They can follow me on WOW. That's right. <laughs> so wait and see what happens at WOW for season three. Oh, I'm pumped. I, I just love WOW. I mean, I, I just love that. I just love female wrestling period today. It's right. it's so entertaining. And um, these women can go in there and kick ass just like any man in a ring. And I totally right. respect that. So. All right. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad somebody out there loves us. <laughs> I do. <laughs> hey, thank you so much uh, to coming out of your uh, busy schedule to come on to a Wrestle Podcast tonight. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it was fun, and I'm looking forward to seeing you over at IWA Mid-South, too. Yeah, awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing you there again, and let me know when the fair is, okay? Oh, I I definitely will. And everybody else, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Podcast. And you can follow me, uh, Robin Paul Nelson, on Facebook, Twitter, Wrestle Podcast at Rob Kicks. You can subscribe to my social platforms, uh, Wrestle Podcast at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podcast City Network at PodcastCity.net. Get in the Marks Podcast Network. And everybody, have a